and welcome to another episode of Macarthur Mortals. I hope that the last month's lighter episodes has given everyone a break and also some different subjects to sink your teeth into. As promised this week, I will be starting my next three-part series on schizophrenia and all the facets of this disorder. Of course, I can only cover so much, and this is just an introduction and introducing you to different terminology and different information of schizophrenia. If you would like any more information, there is plenty of reading sources on this topic, and I will add some of the interesting sources and sites that I actually used in the show notes. Schizophrenia, apart from depression or bipolar, was one of the first psychiatric disorders that I sort of came across before I even started university. And it was one of the first sort of case studies that I covered while doing my A-levels in the UK. So I've always had an interest in it, but when I have delved deeper, it still shows me that we're so behind in what we do need to understand about the disorder and its many facets. So let's dive in. Schizophrenia is a serious mental disorder in which people interpret reality abnormally. Schizophrenia may result in some combination of hallucinations, delusions, and extremely disordered thinking and behavior that impairs daily functioning and can be disabling. People with schizophrenia require lifelong treatment. Early treatment may help get symptoms under control before serious complications develop and may help improve the long-term outlook. Schizophrenia involves a range of problems with thinking, cognition, behavior, and emotions. Signs and symptoms may vary, but usually involve delusions, hallucinations, and or disorganized speech, and reflect an impaired ability to function. More specifically, symptoms may include, in the delusions, the false belief that are not based in reality. For example, you think you're being harmed or harassed. Certain gestures or comments are directed at you. You have an exceptional ability or fame. Another person is in love with you. Or a major catastrophe is about to occur. Delusions occur in most people with schizophrenia. Hallucinations. These usually involve seeing or hearing things that don't exist. Yet, for the person with schizophrenia, they have the full force and impact of a normal experience. Hallucinations can be in any of the senses, but hearing voices is the most common hallucination. Disorganized thinking or speech. Disorganized thinking is inferred from disorganized speech. Effective communication can be impaired and answers to questions may be partially or completely unrelated. Rarely, speech may include putting together meaningless words that can't be understood, sometimes known as a word salad. Extremely disorganized or abnormal motor behavior. 
This may show in a number of ways, from childlike silliness to unpredictable agitation. Behaviour isn't focused on a goal, so it's hard to do tasks. Behaviour can include resistance to instructions, inappropriate or bizarre posture, a complete lack of response, or useless and excessive movement. Negative symptoms. This refers to reduced or lack of ability to function normally. For example, the person may neglect personal hygiene or appear to lack emotion, i.e. that doesn't make eye contact, doesn't change facial expression or speaks in a monotone voice. Also, the person may lose interest in everyday activities, socially withdraw, or lack the ability to experience pleasure. Symptoms can vary in type and severity over time, with periods of worsening and remission of symptoms, and some symptoms will always be present. In men, schizophrenia symptoms typically start in the early to mid-20s, And in biological women, symptoms typically begin in the late 20s. It is uncommon for children to be diagnosed with schizophrenia and rare for those older than age 45. Schizophrenia symptoms in teenagers are similar to those in adults, but the condition may be more difficult to recognise. This may be in part because some of the early symptoms of schizophrenia in teenagers are common for typical development during the teen years, such as withdrawal from family and friends, drop in performance at school, trouble sleeping, irritability or depressed move, lack of motivation, and also recreational substance use, such as marijuana, methamphetamines, or LST. These can also cause similar signs and symptoms of schizophrenia. But compared with schizophrenia symptoms in adults, teens may be less likely to have delusions and more likely to have visual hallucinations. Schizophrenia affects 20 million people worldwide, but it is not as common as many other mental disorders. And schizophrenia, as mentioned earlier, commonly starts earlier among biological men. Schizophrenia is associated with considerable disability and may affect educational and occupational performance. And people with schizophrenia are two to three times more likely to die earlier than the general population. This is often due to physical illnesses such as cardiovascular, metabolic and infectious diseases. Stigma, discrimination and violation of human rights of people with schizophrenia is common. Anyone can get schizophrenia. It affects all people all over the world from all races and cultures. While it can happen at any age, schizophrenia does typically first appear in the teenage years or early 20s. And the disorder affects men and women equally, although symptoms generally appear earlier in men. The earlier the symptoms start, the more severe the illness tends to be and children over the age of five can have schizophrenia, but it is rare before adolescence. 
Research has not identified one single factor that has caused schizophrenia. It is thought that an interaction between genes and a range of environmental factors may actually cause it. It's also possible that psychosocial factors may also contribute to schizophrenia. But as I said, the exact cause isn't exactly known. But like cancer and diabetes, schizophrenia is a real illness with a biological basis. Researchers have uncovered a number of things that appear to make someone more likely to get schizophrenia, including genetics or hereditary, as schizophrenia can run in families, which means a greater likelihood to have schizophrenia may be passed on from parents to their children. Brain chemistry and circuits. People with schizophrenia may not be able to regulate brain chemicals called neurotransmitters that control certain pathways or circuits of nerve cells that affect thinking and behavior. Brain abnormality. Research has found abnormal brain structure in people with schizophrenia, but this doesn't apply to all people with schizophrenia and it can affect people without disease. And the environment. Things like viral infections, exposure to toxins like marijuana or highly stressful situations may trigger schizophrenia in people whose genes make them more likely to get the disorder. Schizophrenia more often surfaces when the body is having a hormonal and physical changes, like those that happen during teen and young adult years. More than 69% of the people with schizophrenia are not receiving appropriate care. 99% of people with untreated schizophrenia live in low and middle income countries. Lack of access to mental health services is an important issue. Furthermore, people with schizophrenia are less likely to seek care than the general population. So how is schizophrenia diagnosed? If symptoms of schizophrenia are present, the doctor will perform a couple of medical history and sometimes a physical exam. While there are no laboratory tests to specifically diagnose schizophrenia, the doctor may use various tests and possible blood tests or brain imaging studies to rule out another physical illness or intoxication, which may have caused a substance-induced psychosis as the cause of the symptoms. If the doctor finds no other physical reason for the schizophrenia symptoms, they may refer the person to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Mental health professions trained to diagnose and treat mental illnesses. Psychiatrists and psychologists use specially designed interviews and assessment tools to evaluate a person for a psychotic disorder. The therapist bases their diagnosis on the person and family's report of symptoms and their observation of the person's attitude and behavior. A person is diagnosed with schizophrenia if they have at least two of these symptoms for at least six months. So delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, disorganized or catatonic behavior, the negative symptoms. 
And one of the symptoms has to be delusions, hallucinations, or disorganized speech. During the six months, the person must have a month of active symptoms. Symptoms should negatively affect them socially or at work and can't be caused by any other condition. Schizophrenia is treatable. Notice how I say treatable rather than curable. Treatment with medicines and psychosocial support is effective. However, as I mentioned above, most people with chronic schizophrenia lack access to treatment. There is clear evidence that old style mental hospitals are not effective in providing the treatment that people with mental disorders need and violate their basic human rights of persons with mental disorders. Efforts to transfer care from mental health institutions to the community need to be expanded and accelerated and the engagement of family members and the wider community in providing support is very important. The goal of schizophrenia treatment is to ease the symptoms and to cut the chances of relapse or return of symptoms. The treatment for schizophrenia may include medications. The primary medications used to, to treat schizophrenia are often and called antipsychotics. These drugs don't cure schizophrenia, but help reveal, re, sorry, not reveal, relieve the most troubling symptoms, including the delusions, the hallucinations, and the thinking problems. Older, or most commonly referred to as first-generation antipsychotic medicines, include chlorpromazine or thorazine, Fluoramazine or proloxin, haloperidol or halidol, oxalapine, which is loxapine, perfenanase, which is trilophon, thiothixnay, navine, or trifluoroprazine, which is stelazine. There are newer or atypical or second generation drugs used to treat schizophrenia. And these, there's such a long list, so I will just go with the generic names for these ones. There's Ablify, Aristella, Safris, Rexotti, Viola, Clozeril, Fantampin, Clipita, Latuda, Sexbrexa, Libavil, Invega Sustena, Invega Trista, Sequil, Rispidol, and Geodon. However, it's important to note that clozapine is the only FDA-approved medication for treating schizophrenia that is resistant to other treatments. It's also used to lessen suicidal behaviours in those with schizophrenia who are at risk. also used to treat is Coordinated Speciality Care, or CSC. This is a team approach towards treating schizophrenia when the first symptoms appear. It combines the medicine and therapy with social services, employment, and educational interventions. 
The family is involved as much as possible as early treatment is the key to helping the patients lead a normal life. Psychosocial therapy is also really important in the treatment of schizophrenia. While medication may help relieve symptoms of schizophrenia, various psychosocial treatments can help with the behavioral, psychological, social, and occupational problems that go with the illness. Through therapy, patients can also learn to manage their symptoms, identify early warning signs of relapse, and come up with a relapse prevention plan. Psychosocial therapies include rehabilitation, which focuses on social skills and job training to help people with schizophrenia function in the community and live as independently as possible. Cognitive remediation, which involves learning techniques to make up for problems with information processing. It often uses drills, coaching and computer-based exercises to strengthen mental skills that involve attention, memory, planning and organization. Individual psychotherapy, which can help the person better understand their illness and learn coping and problem-solving skills. Family therapy, which can help the families deal with a loved one who has schizophrenia, enabling them to better help their loved one. And group therapy or support groups, which can provide continually mutual support. I put the medicine and also the psychosocial therapy at the top of the list because I do believe it is a combination of the two which helps many and most mental disorders. I think that you do need to have a combination of the two to be able to cope because as we say with diabetes, you can't help if your body can't produce insulin just how you can't help if your brain can't produce enough serotonin or dopamine. Why is it such a problem that you take a medicine for that? But I also think it is our responsibility to try and help ourselves, help ourselves have those tools, have those gifts to help ourselves notice when our body is giving us a warning sign saying we need help, we need it now. So those two are the most important, I think, in any mental disorder, but especially in schizophrenia. I am going to discuss a few other therapies which have been used in the past and are not ones that I particularly agree with, but there are therapies that are out there. So there is hospitalization. Many people with schizophrenia may be treated as outpatients, but hospitalization may be the best option for people with severe symptoms who might harm themselves or others or who can't take care of themselves at home. My only issue with this one is that we aren't giving them the skills to be able to take care of themselves at home and if they are hospitalized, then I believe that they should have 
the therapy supports to be able to get themselves back on their feet and back home. Electroconvulsive therapy or ECT. In this procedure, electrodes are attached to the person's scalp while they are asleep under general anesthetic. Doctors send a small electric shock to the brain. Of course, ECT therapy usually involves two or three treatments per week for several weeks. Each shock treatment causes a controlled seizure. A series of treatments over time leads to improvement in mood and thinking. Scientists don't fully understand exactly how ECT and the controlled seizures it causes help, but some researchers think ECT-induced seizures may affect the release of neurotransmitters in the brain. ECT is less well-proven to help with schizophrenia than depression or bipolar disorder, so it isn't used very often when mood symptoms are absent. It can help when medications no longer work or if severe depression or catatonia makes treating the illness difficult. I find this treatment very hard. I I don't think that I could do this and I think it's very barbaric. I understand that it is controlled. I just think that there are other options out there. And finally, just further research. Researchers are looking at a procedure called deep brain stimulation or DBS to treat schizophrenia. Doctors surgically implant electrodes that stimulate certain brain areas, believed to control thinking and perception. DBS is an established treatment for severe Parkinson's disease and essential tremor, but still in a very experimental for the treatment of psychiatric disorders. Programs in several low and middle income countries for example, Ethiopia, India, Iran, Pakistan, and the United Republic of Tanzania, have demonstrated the feasibility of providing care to people with severe mental illness through the primary healthcare system by training their primary healthcare personnel, providing access to essential medications, supporting families in providing home care, educating the public to decrease the stigma and discrimination, They also enhance independent living skills through recovery-oriented psychosocial interventions for people with schizophrenia and for their families or caregivers. And they facilitate independent living, if possible, or assistant living, supported housing and supported employment for people with schizophrenia. This can act as a base for people with schizophrenia to achieve recovery goals. People affected by schizophrenia often face difficulty in obtaining or retaining normal employment or housing opportunities. Seeing what we would consider some countries who are on that low middle income, that they can manage and cope with these mental disorders, I think it's a bit of a sharp shock that as in the richer countries, should be able to deal with things a bit better. But I think sometimes it's perhaps ignorance or just the fact that 
We want the easy way out. A question I often used to get asked when I was working in a situation with people with mental disorders is, are people with schizophrenia dangerous? Popular books and movies often depict people with schizophrenia and other mental illnesses as being dangerous or violent. And this usually isn't true. Most people with schizophrenia are not violent and more typically they prefer to withdraw and be left alone. And when people with mental illness do take part in dangerous or violent behaviors, it's generally a result of their psychosis and the fear that they are being threatened in some way by their surroundings. And often drug or alcohol use can make it worse. On the other hand, people with schizophrenia are more of a danger to themselves. Suicide is the top cause of premature death among people with schizophrenia. So with proper treatment, the outlook for people with schizophrenia can show that they can live a productive and fulfilling life. Depending on how severe the condition is and how well they get and stick with treatment, they should be able to live with their families or in a community setting rather than in long-term psychiatric hospitals. However, there are a lot of human rights violations in regards to schizophrenia. People with schizophrenia are prone to human rights violations both inside mental health institutions and in communities. Stigma of the disorder is high and this contributes to discrimination which can turn limit access to general health care, education, housing and well, employment. And unfortunately, there's no known way to prevent schizophrenia. But early diagnosis and treatment can help avoid or ease frequent relapses and hospitalizations and help cut the disruption to the person's life, family, and their relationships. Like in my previous series, I'd like to give you some movies or literature in which depict people suffering with the disorder I'm discussing. Some of these can show a very accurate depiction of the disorders and some can be very much glamorized and inaccurate. The movie Shine from 1996 with the cast of Jeffrey Rush, Mira Muller-Stahl and Justin Brain. This movie is a man with schizophrenia and struggles to reach his dream to become a pianist, going in and out of an institution, and he finally gets the chance to play the piano again. This is a great movie and I love the plot and just how, just because we have an illness in our minds, does not stem our talent. And it just shows that they can function very normally in a community as long as they do get the right support and family support. This leads on to one of my most favorite movies of all time anyway, A Beautiful Mind, which came out in 2001 with the cast of Russell Crowe, Ed Harris and Jennifer Connelly. If you have not seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Russell Crowe is not one of my favorite actors, but in this, honestly, I could watch this movie all the time. 
is the story of a mathematician with schizophrenia. And he accepts confidential work in cryptography. And his life starts to turn upside down. There's lots of twists and turns and you can see in this movie how delusions and hallucinations feel so real to someone with schizophrenia. It shows the strengths of people suffering with disorders and shows that they can be a smart or in this case such a genius and how much they can enlighten everybody if given the opportunity. The next movie is actually quite an old movie, which is called The Snake Pit from 1948. And it has Olivia de Havilland, Mark Stevens and Leo Jen. It is about a woman with schizophrenia entering an institution where her doctor tries his best to know the root of her illness, while an abusive, jealous nurse worsens her situation. For such an old movie, this one is really good at depicting how good, metal, how good medical help can bring so much promise for a patient, where bad medical help can do quite the opposite. So they're my three top movies. However, there are two of the worst movies. The first one is called Into the Mind of a Serial Killer, released in 1993, with the cast Florian Coronan von Konstorf, and Monica M. and Mika Brendel. This is a storyline about a man with schizophrenia who drugs his victims and murders them, and he's about to reap what he sows. I've included this movie as an example of how terribly wrong and stigma-promoting media can represent schizophrenia. While people with schizophrenia are capable of crime, just like the rest of us, the condition is more likely to impede, not promote, the ability to carry out the kind of crimes depicted in this film. And the last film... I'm going to say is a movie that I've only just recently watched called The Cell, which was actually released in 2000 with Jennifer Lopez. I know there's not many films that she's been in that I can say are good. Vince Vaughn and Vincent DeFonio. It's about an FBI agent that wants to know where a serial killer who has schizophrenia hides his latest kidnap victims. He seeks help from a psychotherapist who practices new treatments where she can enter the mind of a patient. The tendency to represent serial killers in movies suffering from psychotic illnesses like schizophrenia is a clear example of stigma and how poorly the conditions are understood. People with schizophrenia should receive care, not fear, like these movies are promoting. My sources this week were thetherapyroute.com, WebMD, The Who, and The Mayo Clinic.
I will pop all those links in the show notes. Next week, I'm thinking of covering schizophrenia in criminal cases. People who have claimed that they have had schizophrenia and I found a really good paper which is called Schizophrenia, Substance Abuse and Violent Crime, which was released um, not that long ago and I really want to cover that as I find it was one of the most in-depth papers and I think it would be really beneficial to be able to go through that paper and make sure people understand the correct outcomes of it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I know this was a shorter episode, but I like to give people correct information and direct information rather than making things a bit too flowery. And I hope this has given you a more direct understanding of schizophrenia and the ways in which it can affect people. If you have any case or subject that you would like me to cover, then please drop me an email at macabremortals at gmail.com or alternatively send me a DM on Instagram at macabremortals. I hope you have a great week and please stay safe wherever in the world you are. Bye.